Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everyone, to the Astrologer Bill Antroid Radio Show. Uh, today's show is titled The Full Moon in Scorpio or The Buddha Moon. And I'm going to talk today about what basically the lunation cycle is the primary cycle that we use as astrologers and to understand all the cycling of the planets one to another. Uh, taking this the sort of the archetypal indicator of these various phases that the planetary bodies, in this case the Sun, Moon, and Earth, will form with one another, um, as as sort of understanding how energies unfold, are are born, develop, uh, mature, and come back and start over again, again and again. Um, now and then, and as we go through that, I'll talk about then the spe- what's specific about these different full moons. But you know, looking at Aries to Libra and Taurus here to Scorpio, but focus mostly on this full moon that we are experiencing here today. In fact, in about 40 minutes, it's exact. Though exactness doesn't count for everything. I, I like to look at things in terms of periods of time and processes, and things have. Yes, there are instances, but it's good to look at a whole phase in terms of what it may mean. And we could say the moon was certainly feeling very full last night and, and today and, to, and tonight and tomorrow. Um, but let's take a look at how we understand this. And, um, and then later on, I'm going to, again, go to the phones. I see people already calling in here, and you may have questions about the topic of, of the full moon in Scorpio and what that means or about your own charts. And if you do want to talk about that, I just ask that you... Um, Provide me with a first name, certainly, uh, and your birth date and birthplace. And if you have birth time, that'd be fine. And I'd be happy to answer any question you might have about your own chart or, or maybe somebody else's chart. So, so first, let's take a look at what, what is a lunation cycle. And what we're talking about here is, of course, the movement of the moon around the Earth uh, as the Earth goes around the sun. And let's just imagine ourselves going up above the Earth here, above our, our orbital plane, and looking down here. And what we'd find at a new moon is when we have the sun there over in the center of our solar system, and then there's the moon between us and the sun and then the earth itself. And that's when they're all lined up together. Uh, and, and basically at that time of the, of the, of the month, there is no moon. The, the moon and sun are, are so close together, we can't see them one, one apart from one another. And so after a new moon, there's a couple of days, almost sometimes three to more days, where the moon is, oh, the sun will set every day and we see no moon. And so where is it? And of course, what happens is in that third or fourth day, as the sun sets, we see that very thin crescent facing towards the setting sun, which indicates to all of us, aha, something has begun, because that is what a new moon is. It's a release of energy. And any, any conjunction of planets one to another is said to be the beginning of the cycle of that planet to the, that other planet. In this case, it's the moon to the sun. It could be to uh, Mars to Jupiter or Jupiter to Saturn. And certainly as we go out, these these cycles are, are very much more extended, whereas the, the lunar cycle of a new moon to a new moon is about 29 days. When you get further on out there with these other outer planetary alignments, you're talking about Jupiter with Pluto or Neptune is 12 to 13 years and Saturn uh, to Pluto is 33 years for that to go from a so-called new moon, the conjunction to a full moon and back again. And finally, as you get really out there, <laughs> the farthest we can go as we know it to be now, you have the Neptune-Pluto alignment, uh, and when they come together, it's about once every 492 years. So let's just say 500 years, which is kind of interesting since the Pluto cycle itself around the solar system is roughly about 250 years. And, and we look at these larger wave phenomena as sort of detailing the, the larger sort of themes moving through a culture and, and the planet as a whole, and the moon being sort of this quick beat every month of, of instilling certain energies that were all subject to and working with and hopefully informing our life. And so, as it is said, the messages are in the stars. We look at these messages in the stars as speaking to us about these archetypal themes of our life and development. And so humans being storytellers for thousands of years uh, and maybe not having means to write these stories down and having no paper or tablets to put them on, they, they transpose their stories, uh, which are the stories within our hearts and souls, about the meaning of life and spiritual understanding outward to these planetary motions and saw them playing out there as much as they're playing out there. Of course, they couldn't be out there unless they're within our own spirit and nature, which again underlies the great universal truth that everything is one. Everything is part of one great spirit. All the stories are there, whether in your heart or in the stars, 
in these great teachings from all the masters, it's all the same stories. <laughs> but anyways, to get back to our particular story, looking at the new moon and the full moon and back again. So that new moon takes place. We get the crescent moon a few days later. And then as the moon keeps coming around the earth, as the earth goes around the sun, it finally crosses that orbital path that we make around the sun. And that's when we have what's called a half moon, literally the moon is halfway lit and halfway dark, and that's when it's crossed the orbital path. It's moving from inside the realm towards the sun and outside to what I would call outer space. And so it's moving into a new dimension, and that's why we start things at a new moon. It gets quickened and developed. Then we come to that first quarter phase, and that's when we have a choice to go one way or another. It's a, a sort of a fork in the road, and it continues growing and developing through other phases. And each of these phases is understood in terms of numbers, so that when you divide the circle by two, 360, you get 180. That's the opposition. That's the full moon that we're having today. When you divide by four, that gives you the 90 degree angle. That's that waxing square or its other half, the waning square. So we have a new moon, the waxing square, then we reach the full moon. And at the full moon, of course, there's the sun on the inside. Here's the sun, the earth in the center, and out there in outer space, there's the moon hanging out there, shining its bright light on us from, from the moon rise to the moon set all night long. Uh, and, and of course, um, th these, these motions are repeating again and again and helping us to sort of feel these energies of when we should start things because a new beginning is done best when there's a release of energy. Like in a new moon, we come to a choice at the square, one could say roughly seven days later, and roughly 14 days after a new moon, roughly, we're at the full moon, which should be a time of revelation, of taking stock and of trying to understand how do we reconcile and bring together and how do these two positions inform one another because that's what the signs are about they're all about these energy forms and experiences and tendencies and qualities that we need to all master and understand uh, to be a fully human being and so we some of us have more of one sign or another working in us but we are all a combination of the signs but as they get juxtaposed to one another like when they're together, it's one thing. So it's only that sign of that new moon took place in a sign. But we come to the full moon. Now we've got one sign and it's opposite. And that oppositional energy is very revelatory because in a sense, all of us need to counterpoint things. If we get too much of one thing, we need to balance it with the other. And so we find that these opposites inform one another and each without the other really doesn't make much sense. It really can exist. In fact, of course, we need all the energies to really exist. Um, so when we look at the Aries energy and the Libra energy, those two oppositions, well, Aries is, of course, the sign of the self and presence and moving out and becoming more truly oneself. But of course, it finds itself and, and fulfills itself in the sign of Libra, which is the sign of relationship. If we're too much Aries, in a sense, we could be selfish, but if we're too Libra-like, we could be so other-interested, we lose ourselves, and it's a healthy balance of the two that's required to live the good life. Similarly, in terms of Taurus and now Scorpio, the energies that we're watching here today, uh, and of course it happens every month, but in terms of this full moon, it's only once in a year, um, we're dealing with the Taurus experience, the sun moving to Taurus for these 30 odd days. Um, and that means we're now focused upon value and, and substance and, and, and the lasting values of the world and the universe that we wish to hold on to. And yet then we come to the opposite nature of Scorpio, that everything is involved in constant change. We love as a Taurus to see beauty and, have it, and want it to be everlasting, that, that the rose would never fade and the, and the sunset would never end. But of course, the reality is that nothing lasts. Everything is moving through these mortal realms and has to become something else. And so we have to let go and not be attached. And so we're dealing with attachments and holding on to things in Taurus. And we should preserve and create and love and celebrate beauty. We also have to celebrate the, the notion of time and things moving from one form to another. And that's what Scorpio deals with. Scorpio is the sign of combination, of taking my value and your value and combining them together. And so we become something more than any each of us could have been alone. Scorpio is the sign of alchemy, of transformation. It rules birth and death and rebirth. And so in a way, 
it would be horrible to imagine living in a body forever <laughs> because it wouldn't be pretty. In fact, we need to go from life to life, from existence to existence, moving from male to female and moving through different cultures to fully round ourselves out. And so death is not death into the next life, but there are all kinds of deaths in life where our old ideas die, old relationships come and go. And so we're dealing with this process of preserving value in our world while also letting go of the form that it took for that time because it can't last forever. And so we're, this is the, what is being illustrated today in the Taurus-Scorpio alignment, which of course is part of the great teaching of the Buddha in that he taught that the, the pain and suffering in the world comes because of our desire to hold on and remain attached to something as it is and not let it go. And by learning the art of detachment, and that doesn't mean not caring or feeling or being considerate. It means, no, in any moment, you are fully present and you are fully giving of yourself to that loved one or to that job or to that activity. But you also should know it's only for a time. And so we have to keep moving. We are spirit. We are consciousness. We are life moving through these forms. We are not these forms. They are only temporary vehicles for our realization. So moving back to this sun-moon cycle, we have the full moon now, and then will come the waning moon when the moon crosses back over that, that orbital path of the Earth around the sun again in about seven more days, and finally come to the next new moon where we release ourselves into a new expression, a new form, and the new moon most likely taking place. It, it varies from season to season or month to month, but typically we have one new moon in a sign and one full moon in the opposite sign, though that's not always the case. It, it can be offset a little bit given orbital dynamics, but that's roughly how it works. And then there's this interesting phenomenon that all of us pay a lot of attention to at times, that twice a year, it's such that the orbital plane of the moon and how it moves up and down in the solar system and the Earth bobbing up and down in relationship to the sun, that there are two points in space where those planes intersect uh, and they're called the nodes of the moon. Uh, and when the, no, when the moon and the, and the earth and sun are at the nodes, as it were, that's when the earth, moon, and sun line up perfectly with one another, more or less. And we have what are called the solar eclipses, the moon coming in front of the sun, or the solar eclipses, um, when, I'm sorry, when the moon comes in front of the earth, uh, in front of the sun is the solar eclipse. And when the earth comes between the, the moon and the sun, we get the lunar eclipse. And so the shadows of each fall on the other. And so we, we find that striking to see that. And it just illustrates for me so beautifully how we are involved in these amazing relationships one to another, all these different planetary bodies whirling through space. The moon goes around the, sun, uh, around the earth in about 29 days, and we get around the sun in about 365 days as we know it. And of course, we know that these cycles within cycles continue and that Indeed, if you want to go really out there, though the Earth is going around the sun at about 67,000 miles per hour, that sounds pretty fast, we as a galaxy are also spinning around and the complete revolution of our galaxy, of our Milky Way, is estimated to take anywhere from 230 to 250 million years to go around one complete cycle. So that would probably connect to some very large uh, geologic cycles and cycles of life forms on the planet that we beyond our knowing at this time. Um, and that our speed, therefore, of our galaxy moving around the galactic center of our section of the galaxy moving around the gal galactic center is 486,000 miles per hour. And then, of course, the entire galaxy is speeding towards another galaxy. And so the wheels within wheels and speeds within speeds. And, of course, we stand here on the Earth and think, we're not moving, <laughs> but of course, we're really moving fast, depending upon which level you're perceiving yourself operating from. So, so the, this relationship between the signs and informing one another, just as we as humans inform one another in our interactions with each other. I like to say we're all made of one another because what's in me, what's in you are, are your parents, are your siblings, is your schoolmates, are your friends, are your coworkers, and all the people you've had either very short or long-term relationships with, their thoughts, their ideas, their feelings, 
have mixed up with your own. And it's impossible to in, unentangle ourselves from all these influences. We all may think we think our own thoughts, but much of what most of us say and speak and think of is made up of other people interacting with us or rereading someone else's thoughts or whatever, and then we've made them our own. We really share all this, and that's why nothing can be held in secret forever because it's all going to be let out there eventually. The thought world, the mental world is a world where all thoughts are present. And so we have to realize that our consciousness develops this way, that the very word consciousness, consciousness, I love looking at words, the word consciousness means con together and justness knowing implied in our very understanding and our language is that any one of us doesn't know very much without these interrelationships and interactions with one another. In fact, if you put a human and terribly put them in a closet when they were born, they would not become a human uh, at all because you must and need these influences that bring out and elicit who you're going to be and become part of who you are. And so we are really all one with one another whether we see it or not, when we, we see ourselves physically being separated, but we are connected in ways that we are, that is, cannot be understood, really. We're trying to, we try to grasp it, um, but it's difficult, of course. Um, so this wonderful full moon, um, again, the, the new moons are wonderful, the full moons are quite beautiful and obvious, um, speaks to us about this great tension that exists in our life between our desire for continuity, for eternity, for, for, for living forever, for enjoying value and beauty forever, and yet we are, we are mortals in these physical vehicles moving through space and time that is also mortal, and therefore nothing lasts. And so we have this, the source of all religion and philosophy and teachings comes from this knowing that humans have that oh my God, that's the one thing that's certain when I came onto earth is that I'm going to leave. I'm not going to be here forever. Nothing is here forever. How do I deal with that? Um, and so these, these are big questions and often the fixed signs, the Taurus and Scorpio, the Leo Aquarius, they deal with these very powerful questions about value and meaning. Whereas the, the cardinal signs of Aries and Cancer and, and, uh, and Libra and Capricorn, they deal more with these energies of identity. You know, who am I and who are you and where do I come from and where am I going? Those, that's the four cardinal points of Aries and Libra and Cancer and Capricorn. Um, whereas Taurus and Leo and Aquarius and, and Scorpio deal with these more like the, the middle of a season, you might say. It's when things become really focused and, and, and purposeful and, and challenging to work through these questions of value. And then we have our wonderful mutable signs that the transitions from seasons, the Geminis, the Virgos, the Sagittarians, the, the, the Pisces, and their whole job is to be connectors, to transition from one thing to another. They're more adaptable and adjustable and try to bridge the differences that might stir, be stirred up and be held too closely by the other signs. And so they are trying to connect us one to another. And so we, we look at these various cycling of energies and find great meaning in them. The story of our life, the story of spirit is out there in the heavens, but also, as I like to say, it's in each of our hearts and our minds. It's in the great teachers. And of course, there are many great teachers that have come to this planet again and again. It's quite striking that we're speaking today because this is said to be the, the time of the Buddha in that the Buddha was said to have been born at such a full moon of Taurus, the sun in Taurus, the moon in Scorpio, the opposition, and then achieved and worked to achieve enlightenment and achieved enlightenment. He, he freed himself from his mortal vehicle and became an enlightened one at another full moon and then taught and, 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 and spread the, his word for many, many years until finally he was ready to let go of this physical vehicle. It was worn out and he released himself. And that is the great gift of it being a spiritually developed and adept person you come into your body and out of that body as you choose, um, as opposed to having it forced upon you in some way that may be less pleasant. Um, and so, so these are things that we are all are, we are on that same path. What the Buddha taught is that this is the work that we all must do. And all the teachers really have come down not to start a religion, as I like to say. They didn't come in saying, pray to me and, 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 and plead with me and I'll let you into heaven or something. If you read their real works and look at their real lives, um, they came in to repeat that we all must come to understand and then live that truth. 
and in so doing, do the work that they did and greater than they've done to achieve our own self-salvation. And that is really the, the, the Buddhist teaching. His, his teaching is that the work of, of becoming a freed jiva mukti, a freed mana, monad, and becoming a, a being that no longer is trapped by the laws of karma and death and rebirth, rebirth requires self-salvation. But in dealing with that, what the Buddha taught also was that everything is impermanent, that the law of impermanence is pervasive, and that there's nothing here that is going to remain as it was. And so we've got to deal with this law of change, and that the only thing that is unchanging is what's behind all of this, which is spirit, the one, which is also life. That never ends. Um, so the universe is then governed by what we call these laws, the laws of cause and effect, the law of karma which basically says, I like to say, that life's like a boomerang. Whatever you throw out there is going to come back and hit you in the head. You might as well throw out love because then you'll receive that. But all of us are slowly waking up to that fact, and none of us holds ourselves steady and true to form day in, day out. We all of us have sort of a, a consciousness that's sort of like a floating ball of energy that at times rises up into the most wonderful realms of selflessness and love and sacrifice. And then we lose it and get angry, upset, and it plunges down. And the whole goal of our evolution is to keep raising that consciousness up and becoming more selfless and loving in our everyday and every, every waking moment nature. Um, so the whole universe is governed by this law of cause and effect, and that only by right thought and right action can a, true, can a human being become free. And that's what's gifted to us as humans, is that we are here to choose through trial and error, through cause and effect, we learn to choose to do the good because when we don't, consequences come in. Sometimes karma is instant. We, we think a negative thought and then we break something and go, oh boy, there we go. Sometimes it's delayed and that's why it doesn't seem fair that somebody seems to be getting away with something, even for a whole lifetime getting away with something, it seems. But we understand and believe that the laws of spirit are the immutable laws that no one can escape from. Human law, less perfect. Spiritual law, divine and perfect. And so we can't worry about other people and what they're doing or not doing. It's uh, enough for us to act in our own life the right way and to move in to help another in their need. Certainly not to say, oh, that's their karma. That's not, that's not being respectful of karma. If I see and understand a person in need and don't act, that's also on me. So by right thought and right action, we can become free. Another principle of the Buddha was that life is one because spirit is one. And all these ever-changing forms, they are innumerable, whether it's from the atoms and particles of atoms on up to the galaxies and stars and beyond. All these things are there, but they are perishable. Nothing lasts. Only the life lasts. Life being one, and we are all part of this one great life. The interest of each of us should be and must be turned towards the whole. And that's what directs us against selfishness, because we realize that is me cutting myself off from the whole, cutting myself off from life. Then from that, the Buddha determined the four noble truths, which is that, that in the universe, what did he see? He went out from his palace. He was born into great wealth and fame and, and comfort. He went out and saw all this suffering and said, oh, my gosh, this is the nature of human life, that we are here, we're here to suffer. But what causes our suffering? And he determined that for himself, at least, that what he saw was causing suffering was we were desiring the wrong things. And the cure for that, therefore, of our suffering was to remove that cause. And therefore, he developed what he called the noble eightfold path of our self-development. And that path is by developing right views in terms of right knowledge, right wisdom, right belief systems. We could then develop right aims and therefore right motivations. Our intentions would then be true. And from that, we would also develop right speech because words are powerful as a human being. It's other beings have other energy forms and ways of transmitting their, themselves, but we speak. Uh, and we, we've been st telling stories for thousands of years uh, to one another, and we will continue to do for many thousands more. Um, and from right speech and right, and right aims and right views, we develop right action, that we act correctly with the right intention and right action, and so we take the right action. And through that, we also then develop our right livelihood, how we should take care of ourselves and those around us, which leads us to having the right effort in terms of how we guide ourselves, and then bringing about 
in terms of our self-development even further, right concentration through focusing and developing clear understanding, we would reach enlightenment, the eighth path, the eightfold path. So Buddhism really um, is something found in, in one form or other in many teachings, whether you're looking at the Pythagorean school or some of the mystery schools in Egypt or Greece, uh, whether you're looking at the great teachings in Hinduism, whether you're looking at Christianity, all these teachings, if you distill them down and look at the teaching behind the teaching, not the exoteric form, not what is written down and has been mistranslated by many men usually over many, many decades and hundreds and thousands of years. But if you go back to the original teachings and look for the kernel of truth there, they all say the same thing. And so for Buddhism, it would mean as well that this is a way of living and that in order to do what you must do, you must walk this path. The key phrase to sum all that up for, for Buddhism is cease to do evil, learn to do good, cleanse your own heart. Okay. Um, in a way, that the, another way that the ancient teachings speak to this are these great seven principles of what guides our life and which should always guide our life. Um, and one thing is the, these seven principles being found in all teachings and philosophies and religions is number one, evolution. Everything is unfolding. We don't mean evolution like we know it through Darwin, though that's a part of it. We're looking at evolution as coming because at the core of every every particle of creation is a spark of the divine and it's slowly developing itself from within outwards and releasing itself into greater and greater potentialities revealing the divine with behind the form so a grain of sand will unfold into a plant into an animal and into a human who then becomes a star and so it is said that every in every star there's a grain of sand all is an all one is an all and all is one Evolution is the constant coming out of what lies within all things. It is not life going from one state to another, but it is emerging as it unfolds and, and reveals its truth, which is its divinity over time. And then the second great law, of course, is the one we talk about all the time with, with karma is cause and effect. Um, and that what, what it means is that whatever happens to you, was set in motion long ago, or just, just in the last moment, if you spoke ill or did something negatively, and then you get a reaction. So we want to, over time, there's no, there is good and bad karma. The only difference is what was deriving that, what was directing that, what was the motivation. When guided by love, karma will be good. When guided by selfishness, it will turn out less well, and that's how the law works. Uh, then everything in nature is polarized, and everything is moving between these different polarities. So we have the planets to the star, to the sun. We have in our human nature, the male and other animal forms, male to female. All these, all these energies are there in terms of dividing up the spirit into these different forms. But spirit itself is not sexual. It's androgynous. But it comes out in manifesting in the physical plane into to these polarities. And then we move through what's called reincarnation or what, better to be put, re-embodiment because it's not that a thing has to be in a physical flesh form, which is what incarnation means. It moves through different forms, mental bodies, spirit bodies, emotional bodies, many bodies of, of realization of the different entities that exist in the universe. And so all evolution is experienced by all living entities. And this law of re-embodiment teaches that all kingdoms of nature are moving through different levels of forms. And we're in the human wave right now and have been for quite some time and have quite some time to go. But eventually we move to the end of that, achieving our enlightenment as the Buddha did. But then we all face the great choice at that end of that evolutionary path of humanity. And we are now a fully awakened human. There we face even the greatest choice at that moment, making all these thousands and tens of thousands and millions of choices over many, many lifetimes and many, many cultures and forms of existence, we come to the next and final choice as a human. We can go on now in spiritual evolution into spirit worlds and beyond the human kingdom and keep progressing. And that would feel wonderful, perhaps. Or we stop and turn and look back at those who follow after us and say, I will wait here. I will hold this door open and not pass beyond this point until all have come through. And that is what the great ones have done, whether it's Jesus or Buddha or Krishna, all of the great souls, they do not move on from this plane. They send out loving thoughts. They send out inspiration. They cannot make us make the right choice. They cannot make us choose this or that. 
That is on us. We have to learn to choose to do the good, but they're always inspiring us. You always hear that quiet voice in your head and your heart saying, turn this way, go that way. Don't do this, do that. And when you listen to that wonderful, quiet, loving voice, good things tend to happen. And when you go against it, when you don't pay attention, less good happens usually. So we are all reminded that the messages that we get are there for us and we need to listen to our heart. We need to also look at the messengers around us, the great teachers, and, and study what they showed us because they have gone on this path that we are on, and they encourage us to follow them, too, in our own way. And then another great law of the universe is vibration. Everything is in vibration, whether it's looking at colors or sounds or the atoms themselves. Everything is in vibration. And so the universe is formed by a complex range of vibrations, some visible and some invisible, some, some sound, all these different vibrations, heat and light and sound and x-rays and cosmic rays, all this stuff. And so we are here as beings at a certain vibratory rate. And what we need to be doing is we are supposed to be raising our own vehicles up, our physical, etheric, emotional, mental vehicles to higher levels of vibration. This is what is called as the process of refinement. And if so if a person can really master that, master these vibratory rates, um, you can master many things in the universe from knowing that. And another great part of the teachings is what we call harmony and rhythm, that everything is in vibration, but also in motion. And so things are weaving together, flowing together, influencing one another. And when humans learn to align themselves beautifully with these universal rhythms, then we do, as I like to say, with the, like the Navajo say, then we walk in beauty. Then we are surrounded in beauty, and what we do is accomplished in beauty. And, of course, that is also what they call in Taoism following the way. The way of Tao is that we come in touch with and move with the ever-flowing reality that we exist in. And finally, we have the law of generation, whereby everything has to, be, has to come out and become something from something else. And so we come together in this polarization and reproduction, and whether we're producing a, a child or a thought or emotion, it all comes through connecting and, and combining that, again, a human being can't know very much or do anything without interactions with other human beings. So this, this need to combine and collaborate and learn from one another is key, uh, is, is how growth occurs. And without it, there, there would be no change. It would be no growth. And so we are here for one another. We are here to learn from one another. It's important that we listen and understand and show our care for another person because everybody is here to make a contribution. But, and everybody through making their contribution and, and, and learning from one another, we will all grow together and, and solve the problems that face us, which, of course, seem to be rather extraordinary at this time. Um, but hopefully... Um, over time, people do stop and pause and listen to one another and realize that they're, I, by definition, I don't know what I don't know. And I might learn something here if I listen to you and you listen to me. And perhaps more importantly, find that third way beyond our two limited ways of seeing that is the way through. And again, that is, again, part of the lesson of the full moon of Taurus and Scorpio, the Taurus full moon that the moon's in Scorpio, is that Life's about these transformations, and we combine together, and in combining together, we have to let go of the lesser sense of ourselves to work with or live with or love another. And yet, as I move closer to you and you to me by giving up the lesser parts of me to work with you or to live with you, I give up lesser parts of me, but I'm identifying more the core true parts of me, my true spiritual nature. And as I move closer to any other, I inevitably, if I'm doing it well, move closer to my own true self, too. The journey out takes us back in. And so the, the circle of life is such that we are here on this journey together of consciousness and we're all pulling for one another, helping one another in, in easy ways and in difficult ways. Yes, people can be difficult with each other, but there are things we're struggling with. But we should always remind ourselves that the truth of the universe is that we are all one with one another and we're here to help one another. So with that, 
Um, I think that's probably enough for today. I don't want to take up too much time talking without hearing from you and what you might want to ask me or what you might want to say. And there are people who've been holding here since before the show began. And so I really don't want to make them wait any longer. So let's go to the first caller here today and, and see what they have to say. Okay. Hello? Oh, there we go. Hello? Are you there? Hello? Oh, I, I, do I have you there? Are you not there? Okay. All right. Well, I guess that person's not there. Okay. So let's, let's try this person. Hello, are you there? <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> I think they were sleeping. They were waiting a very long time. And I do apologize that they had to call in before the show started. And I did want to make a little statement here. And I'm sorry it takes <laughs> up half the show. <laughs> no, it was great what you said. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being there. So what can I do for you today? Um, I just wanted to take a look at um, my chart and just, um, I've been just having a really hard time in terms of love and work and just wanting to know when some really good energy is going to come in. Okay, well, let's let's take a look at your chart. What's your first name? My name is Camilla. Camilla, okay, Camilla. And what is your birth date? Um, it's March 5th. And the year? Uh, 1980. 80, okay. And do you know the time of birth? I do, 1.29 a.m. 1.29 a.m. And the city of birth? Uh, Philly, Philadelphia, PA. Philadelphia, okay. All right, let's see what we have here. And so I'm just getting the computer there. Give me your chart, and there we are. Okay. And okay, so there you are, Pisces, um, with your moon in Libra. And Sagittarius rising, um, and and you're wondering about questions of love in your life in general, or how it's been, or what's happening right now. What could you refine it a little um, bit for me? Or sure, just went through a breakup. Okay. Um, like last week, and um, I'm pretty sure it's final. Um, Okay. I'm just wanting to know what you see with that or if there's some new energy um, okay. coming in or what you can read off of it. Okay. Well, what I could see is, I mean, of course, we, we look at a person's natal configuration to see what they're looking for and receiving and giving to relationship. And, of course, um, you, you, you know that even though you're a Pisces, you want to be an Aries. So you, in terms of your love nature, um, you're enthusiastic and you're idealistic and you would, would, would want to readily plunge in a relationship with great enthusiasm and want to have that energy be in a relationship for you. And secondly, mm-hmm. with Gemini on your seventh house, you would also need a relationship, though Pisces is a water sign, and so depth of feeling and compassion, empathy would certainly be at the core of who you are. In relationship, it would have to have a great deal of intellectual development and exchange that I need stimulation mm-hmm. from my partner, and I need to ask them any question, or they ask it of me, and we have great discussions and, and such with one mm-hmm. another would be essential. So what mm-hmm. has happened most, most recently for you is your progressed moon, that inner measure of time, for the last two plus years, it's been moving to Aquarius. And so when the moon's in Aquarius, our need in our life is to be more truly ourself. And that requires that we be around people who want precisely nothing more from us than to be ourselves. <clears throat> and so if mm-hmm. we're in a relationship that encourages the truth of me to come forward, it would, be, it would work. But if it's not working, then I would feel alienated and, and str- frustrated by my relationship because I'm not being me here. And therefore, mm-hmm. somehow my life would kick me out of that to free me. It's not that mm-hmm. I have to be free of this person, but I need to be free of this form of relationship, which is not allowing for the fullest expression of me with you and you with me. So it says mm-hmm. the need was to free yourself. But it could be if the form breaks up and the other person responds and reacts to that and, dis- and comes back with a new form of relationship then it perhaps could continue. But if it was to Mm -hmm. try to be resuscitated on the old framework uh, where that wasn't being acknowledged or expressed, 
then it couldn't pass muster. But this is about mm-hmm. to change. Your, your progressed moon any day now is going to move into Pisces, the sign of Pisces. And so okay. that, that can I cry gonna, anymore, please? Yeah, we go. well, it means it's going to be more <laughs> emotional. Yep. And oh, but it also God. means I'm going to confront my faith and, 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 and confront my fears and find my faith and believe again, because Pisces is the sign of dreaming and imagination and realizing mm-hmm. in the end, we make it happen. And I need to confront what is my fear if I'm to live a freer life. Um, and, and I would say for you, that would mean mm-hmm. primarily Saturn, Saturn being in Virgo for you and in your ninth house, that means your fear is the fear of my life not making sense, that it's not ordered in a way that leads to peace and beauty and I need to make it so. And secondly, my mm-hmm. fear is that I haven't figured out what is truth. <laughs> What, what is true? Yeah. And I'm on yeah. this journey and you're on a journey your entire life seeking for true wisdom and knowledge. Um, mm. And you should just keep at it, of course. Um, of course. I don't see that. <laughs> of course, there's no choice. Um, no. But this, but when a relationship for you ends, it's pretty painful. It's hard for most people, of course, but it's more painful yeah. for you because of that moon Venus opposition you were born with. And so mm-hmm. there is something in your and your psyche spiritually coming from a past life, most likely of dealing with abandonment and being pulled yeah. apart by those experiences. And so when a relationship ends, whether you end it or someone ends it for you, it stir, it mm-hmm. kicks up that feeling of loss and abandonment that you have to turn around and realize, no, if I was to stay in an unhealthy relationship, that would be abandoning myself. Mm. And I need to, I need to love myself enough and and then love others enough to heal this wound but of course that's easy for me to say not hard when you've just gone through this breakup and 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 depending on how much time we put into a relationship and certainly we do know we come together with people and we come apart and we may be with someone Mm -hmm. for like an afternoon or for 30 years but it it will be finite and so that is Mm -hmm. definitely the symbol of the full moon of scorpio uh being in scorpio is that this is a time of births and deaths right now uh, and mm-hmm. certainly people would be struggling with issues of letting go and having something die, but knowing that is the only way for a new birth to take place would be something that you would certainly um, be feeling and picking up right now um, in your life. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I, would, I would hope and believe that, that um, given these other indications in your chart, that you're going to restore your faith, believe in your power of, of creative imagination and work with that even more as the moon moves through Pisces now. Um, Mm -hmm. And the fact that Saturn now is in your first house, you're going to begin uh, realizing that I'm at this juncture that really started last year and now continues this year of defining who I am again and what I want to call myself, which obviously then will always raise the question of, well, then who are you in my life? And are you the the opposite that that I need to counterpoint Mm -hmm. myself with would equally be, um, working, working through you right now. But I think you'll have a lot of help this year because that Saturn moving to the end of Sag really is knocking into in a good way, your Venus, which means it should be providing some very strong and good messages for you this year regarding Mm. the true nature of value and beauty and love during the course of this Mm. year. Okay. Okay. So there's hope for this year. (laughs) Well, (laughs) Well, you will definitely feel a big shift and the moon in Aquarius is more of a detaching, freedom-seeking, and therefore friendly with friends kind of energy, but not so romantic and emotional and you know touchy-feely. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And as your moon goes into Pisces, you're going to find yourself more looking for that and seeking to create that for yourself and those around you. And so hopefully, that, therefore, it'll provide more of a bridge for connectivity in a more intimate way with people over the next couple of years when the moon moves, while the moon moves through Pisces, that's what you should experience. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you so much. That was lovely. You're one. You're very welcome, Camilla. It was my pleasure. And, uh, and do stay, do stay in touch and, and, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to each other again. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello, this is Bill. Hi, Bill. Who's this? Hello, Bill. Hi. Who's who? Who's this? My name is Maddie. Bill, how are you? you did you say Maddie I, or Maddie? Yes, Maddie. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. 
Uh, my moon is in Scorpio. You mentioned moon being in Scorpio at this time, and I yes, was wondering what effect does it have on me. Okay, well, let, let's take a look. What, what's your birth date, Maddie? 1-7-1945, p.m. Okay, 1-7-1945, right? Uh-huh. And you said 6.50 p.m., and where were you uh-huh. born? In Georgia. And, so and what, Georgia, Cuthbert, Georgia. Kaufman, Georgia. Okay. Cuthbert, C-U-T-H-B-E-R-T. Oh, C- oh sorry. C-U... T-H-B-E-R-T, Cuthbert. Cuthbert. I'm looking... Just below C- Atlanta. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, then this, let's just, just jump there and do that for now, because that'll give us enough to work with. So I'm going to do that. And there you are. Okay. So... Um, Yes, you, you, you're quite right. You've got the moon in Scorpio. Um, and let's just see where that, that, that full moon is for you then. It looks like it would be lining up at this time um, with the sun now moving through the 10th house, the house of public life and professional life and career. It's been there for roughly a month now. And it's going to another seven days while your moon is moving through the house it was at your birth in, of course, in the fourth house. And that means this full moon resonates for you with questions about where I come from, my origin, my home, my family, the roots of me, and what is my destiny and what is my path and what would be fulfilling for me are questions I'm trying to address. In simple terms, that would mean for somebody, well, gee, how do I balance out my inner life and my outer life, my home and my career? If some people have trouble with that, you, and I can look at your chart and see, but some people are fine. They're, 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 they're rich, meaningful family life, supports them in their career, and their successes in their career comes back and enriches their home life. But for many of us, especially in the modern world, I mean, obviously, we've got to realize we haven't been living life like this for too long. Back in the day, for thousands of years, home and work were the same. <laughs> we didn't go anywhere. We, we, oh, yeah. we went outside and picked up from a bush. We, we went out hunting. We came back. We, we, we tilled the field. And so work and home were, were never far apart, if at all apart. And so we're trying to find our way in this modern world of being broken from these connections and trying to hold it together. And so you might be yourself grappling at a moment like this with, well, how am I doing giving enough time to my home and enough time to my career or something like that is one way you would say this could be working for you uh, in, 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 in a, a sort of a simple way. Um, there may be other things going on here as well. I could look at all the planetary alignments, but just that full moon would articulate this need to hold together where I come from and understand where I'm going to. That's, that's sort of in a nutshell what it's about. Okay. Uh, yes, because I am looking at where I'm going. <laughs> oh, I bet. Um, I, and again, there's a lot going on there in, in, in your 10th house of, of the career. I mean, Uranus is up there now, which has stirred things up. Uh, and the planet Saturn, which is the great outward timekeeper, it's been marching through your fifth house of self-expression, creativity, leadership, and love for the last three years. Um, and it will be at the end of this year and then for the next several years, marching through your sixth house, which is the house of the ordering of life and my lifestyle and the where I work and how I work. And, and basically what the universe is about to start asking you, Maddie, is, Maddie, does your life make sense? <laughs> uh, it, do you have this all figured out that, you know, the, the first thing you do in the day and the last thing you do in the day and everything else in between all flows together to form a whole life, as I say what I was saying earlier, is your life beautiful or am I trying to hold this thing together, but it's, it's bulging out there and collapsing over there and there's too much of this and not enough of that and I need to get my life together as a whole thing is something you really need to be uh, addressing right now, okay? Oh, yeah, my life for me, for me, yes. make a profile different in my life, yes. Yeah. Well, again, you, yes. you did you, you did come in, you know, um, you're you're one of those people born with your son, um, which is the center of the chart in the sixth house. And that's the house of healing and of service. And so we all come in to heal. Certainly we're all doing that. But some of us more in a particular way know that this is a lifetime of healing. I'm on a healing journey. 
Many of us in doing so get involved in the healing arts or providing services and organization for other people. That's one of the ways it, it manifests. But it means throughout your whole life, the message applies to you as it does to all healers. Physician, heal thyself. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so this is something that you, yes, I can do this for others and I will do this for others. And that's what I'm really good at. But I've also got to keep one eye on me. <laughs> making oh, yeah. sure. Uh, and and that's where Bill. That's where I am now. I'm I'm focusing more on me. Yes, and that's that's not a bad thing. I mean, that's something that's essential because we have to have a a self to give away if we're going to be selfless. And if we've already given it away and there's nothing left to give, well, that's because we've gone too far. And we need to sort of not become selfish, but be loving towards ourselves as we love others in equal measure, and not be you know, as they say, either codependent or overly doing for others and sacrificing for others. And they may take, but they may not give back. And because that's not the relationship. Ex- and, ex- and, ex- and, ex- and of course, what happened is we established that they didn't come into our life by accident. We were set up to be that way. And therefore, someone would gravitate towards us who would love to take advantage of that. <laughs> and so, uh, so we need to say, wait a minute, this wouldn't be happening to me if there wasn't something in me that needs to be uh, addressed through this. And so that's what you're working on is not being selfish, but be rightly loving. And actually, you've got a beautiful aspect in your chart, your Venus, which is value, beauty and love lines up beautifully with your Saturn. It's your Venus in Pisces to your Saturn and Cancer, down to your moon and Scorpio, you've got a grand water trine. And so even though you are a Capricorn, Maddie, you are a very deeply feeling person, a deeply sensitive person, uh, and therefore very affected by your circumstances and surroundings and the people and things you have in your life. But it also means with your Venus to Saturn, you come in with a great love And you're able, unlike many people, you don't doubt your value or beauty or love. You have it. But what you're good at is helping other people who don't know what they're good at or good for or why they should be loved. You can show them how they are and should be. You're a great mentor and teacher for others because you can bring out the best in another from this. Um, And with your moon to Venus, your love of beauty and, and, and your loving nature is extraordinary okay it really is i mean you're the kind of person with that moon venus i would say to people like you when it comes to beauty and art you're the kind of person you see sound you hear color it's a whole different range of beauty than most of us can appreciate and that's one of the gifts you bring in for yourself also in this lifetime okay yes Um, okay but you have to be careful because we all come in with tests too and your, yes. Saturn, your Saturn in the 12th house says your test in life is the test of fear itself. Yes. Okay. Yes. And you have to realize, yes, that's the shadow that's always cast in front of me. I have my faith, but there's that fear again. And I need to keep confronting that fear, seeing where it's coming from. It's because of what happened in the past, but the past need not be my present or my future unless I get stuck with that fear and make it my present, which then becomes my future. I have to be faithful and overcome my fear. And you can. And one place this will very much affect you is in terms of dealing with authority figures, which includes any partner you have in your life romantically and or bosses and employers. And there is this notion with this, with that Mars Saturn in your chart, that one of your tests in life is the test of this male energy. Um, And you will more likely than not, Maddie, till you figure this out, attract wounded men. Okay. Oh, I, I do attract wounded men? Yes. And, and people might oh. say, what's a, what's a wounded man? Well, the male principles about drive and assertion and that authoritative hierarchical nature, whereas the more the feminine principle, we could call it X and Y, is more this horizontal relating and loving and connecting energy. They're both necessary, but when they get out of balance, well, that's the trouble in the world, right? And so <laughs> the Mars-Saturn for you would mean that I might attract men who are at the extremes in my life, meaning they're really, really nice, but they're not strong or they're really, really strong. Oh, they're little boys. Or, they're or, they're yeah. little boys. 
Right. Or they're really, really strong, but they're not nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what you Whoa. want, what we want is to be nice and strong. <laughs> but yes, but, nice and strong. Yes. Okay. Oh. That's what but see, your journey is to find that for yourself within yourself. And then you won't be attracted to the people at the extremes. You yourself be, will be in the center and living your life that way and be with people who are like yourself too, healed. That's part of your healing journey. Oh, okay. Well, why do I attract younger men? Well, <laughs> again, that's a, a, a person maybe, well, again, uh, it may be because for other reasons, but certainly this would indicate because there it's by definition that probably I'm dealing with a man or boyish man who's not yet come into his own, hasn't worked out his stuff. So in a way, Maddie, then they're safe for you. Because if they could meet me equally emotionally and intellectually, then I then be, they'd be challenging, more challenging to me. So actually, we attract people who can be safe for us, but we shouldn't be doing that. We should be attracting someone who challenges us to grow as much as we challenge them to grow. And so you're keeping your authority in the relationship by being with someone who's less mature, and that's a choice. No, no, so I don't a, mean, I don't mean, uh, I don't mean in that. In that respect, I mean younger for as um, I mean, I mean age. age. I, I yeah, mean but, age. But, I mean why why do younger men uh, approach me? Well, again, because this energy in your chart shows you're drawn to men who are not fully men yet. That's that's it. They're not. They, they don't have all the. I mean, people keep growing, and the people who are boyish in their sixties and people who are you know manly in their twenties. Yes. But generally speaking. Yes. We, we get better as we age, hopefully. <laughs> and, and, and really, I tell you, now that I'm in my 60s, I'm loving it because, oh, my gosh, life gets so much. I mean, the body's, you know, we have to we have to have a good sense of humor as our body ages. But spiritually and intellectually, we're shining more as we get older. And we should all yeah. go out really shining in the end. I mean, the, the goal of human evolution is to go out at the high point. Not a, some sort yes. of like, you know, ending it sadly. And so that's the goal of evolution is we come out to be these great beings in the end. Um, so when you hit later in your years, you're letting go a lot of stuff that was driving you before. You're freed from all that. You can just give without thinking about it. Your ego gets out of the way. It's a gift to get older, to be with yes. more mature, to be with mature people. So, yes. so you may att- attract the younger boys. <laughs> and and <laughs> And, and, they're fun, and it's fun to be around young energy. There's no question because it's so enticing. And there's reasons why you are drawn to that because of the ruler of your seventh house of relationship. Uranus is in the sign of Gemini, the sign of Peter Pan, literally. Um, <laughs> you, you probably will be drawn. But the key to your happiness and love and relationship in this lifetime, your chart would also say, is that what you need in your life is not a loved one as much as a very best friend. Yes. You should be, you need to be with someone who I meet up with this person and yes, I love them and they're my romantic partner, but I also, I would choose them to be the best friend in my life. And, and when you find yes. that person, that's the one you want to be with. Okay. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Good. That is so interesting. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, well, most of what people hear in readings is what they already know, but then they hear someone telling them that, that doesn't know them and they go, Oh my gosh, it really is who I am. Cause we're not sure. Am I this really? But yes. when the universe, when the universe says, this is who you are, become who you are, be who you are. It frees us. Um, and that's the whole point of astrology is to help us be guided to our, uh, to, stay, oh, oh, to be on the path we're meant to be on. And it's a wonderful tool, but bottom line, we should always listen to our, our higher self and be guided by what its intentions are for us to move higher and be, be a more complete being. That's always the key. But astrology plays a role here, too, and I'm, I'm very grateful to play a role with that in helping people. So I'm glad to have met you today and glad you enjoyed Thank what we you. had to say. And, um, and just stay, stay tuned, and we'll do it again, okay? Thank, thank you, Bill. Okay. Thank you again. Have, have a wonderful have a evening and enjoy, and enjoy your, your Scorpio full moon. It's, it is your moon, and so you should very much identify with the moon in Scorpio, okay? Okay, I will. I'm, I'm feeling the stress. I bet. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, have a wonderful evening. Talk to you soon. I will. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. 
Well, that's it. I'm sorry we don't have time for any more callers today. It's going to cut me off in 30 seconds or less here, but I hope you all had an enjoyable show as I did, and I want to do this more frequently, uh, hopefully more than once a month, and also put up those podcasts. But I do welcome you to write to me if you wish and suggest topics or comment on the show and read the blog, which is a much longer description of what the Scorpio full moon means. And I'll talk to you all very soon again. Bye for now.